The title this morning is What Do You Want Others to See? Making a Difference. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Well, I hope you can hear me. I will speak loudly, and uh, you have to concentrate. I just heard that yesterday it was 37 degrees in Riga. Actually, I'm glad I'm here. I don't like the heat. We're looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount this week, and uh, we looked on Monday at us being salt and light, making a difference in this world. And then yesterday we looked at the uh, reason why we are different. We're different because of God's grace, because of the gospel, because of Christ's work for us. He was our substitute. He lived the life that we have not lived, that perfect life, and he died the death that we deserve. And also, we talked about, very briefly, Christ's work in us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have new hearts. And so we are different people. We are a new creation. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're living a different kind of life. We're living the kingdom life, the future heavenly life, here and now, by God's help. Now, of course, we're not doing that perfectly because uh, the kingdom has not come in all of its fullness. We still await that. But God's Spirit is within us, and so we are living different lives. 
a life beyond our wildest dreams, even today. And so today, this morning, and tomorrow, we're going to get glimpses of what that looks like. And uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at that uh, passage that we read together, Matthew chapter 6, uh, 1 to 18. And really, that um, the uh, subject there is really about um, hypocrisy. And there was a recent survey I, I read on the internet where it said that people who didn't go to church were asked what they think of churchgoers, church attenders. And the survey said that 72% of people who don't go to church think that churchgoers are hypocrites. Now, of course, we take any survey with a pinch of salt, and we don't know how the question was asked, and we don't know how people will want to justify their not going to church and all of those things. But still, that's a very high number. And it seems that Jesus, too, in his day, had to deal with hypocrites. If you just look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, You can see there in verse 2, in verse 5, and then in verse 16, when he talks about giving, when he talks about prayer, when he talks about fasting, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. So he's not saying to people, oh, you don't give, you don't pray, you don't fast, you better start doing those things. These are people who do those things, good things, but they're doing them in the wrong way. And so what Jesus is doing is he's going much deeper than we usually think about. We usually think about it's important to do the right things. And yes, it is. But it's not just doing the right things that's important. It's why you do those right things. It's the motivation. It's the reason behind that. And obviously, these people were doing good things. Jesus doesn't say stop giving, stop praying, stop fasting. But he says, do it in a different way. So what is going wrong here? Well, it's very interesting. I don't know if you noticed, but back in chapter 5, verse 16, we, we, we read it together on Monday. Jesus says, let your light shine before men so that they will see your good works. They will see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. When Jesus comes to chapter 6 here, it's not chapter 6 when he's saying this, but when he comes to talking about praying and giving and fasting, he seems to say the opposite. Do it in secret. Don't let anyone see. And you think, well, how can we bring those two together? How can we reconcile 5.16 and and, and chapter 6? And I think it's quite clear if you look at it closely. Jesus says in 5.16, let your deeds be seen so that people will what? Praise God, not praise you. Whereas in chapter 6, these people were giving and praying and fasting so that people would look at them and praise them. And they would have this great reputation. They would be seen as these religious people, very spiritual people. And Jesus says, don't do it like, don't do it for that reason. If you do it for that, you've already got your reward. And so Jesus is talking about our motives. Why do we do what we do? And it's very important. Um, and this is where it becomes uncomfortable. Uncomfortable for every one of us to begin to look at the reasons why we do what we do. Why do I give? Is it because I want people to see how generous I am? Of course, I won't say that, but I want people to see that. Do I pray more regularly out front than I do 
quietly in my own room where no one can see me. What about fasting? Do I like to just drop a hint, you know, well, I'm fasting today? So that people will think, oh, what a very spiritual and holy person. Motives are very hard to understand, and our hearts are very deceptive, and we can deceive ourselves. And honestly, we can't do anything really from pure motives, absolutely pure motives. But we do need to begin to look that. We need to begin to examine our motives and to think clearly. Why do we do the things that we do? And if I want to go, if, if we go a little bit deeper as we think about this, I think that the theme of this passage is really about our relationship with God. It's dealing with that. How do you see God? Is God someone who is distant and not really real to you? So that the praise of men, what other people think about you, is more important than what God thinks about you. Do we, and maybe unconsciously, think that we can keep God happy by doing the right things? You think, well, God will see that, and he'll be happy, and he'll still be there when I run into problems. A bit like a machine. You no, know, you put your money in, you press the button, and out comes what you want. Do we treat God like that in some ways? Doing the right things, pressing the right buttons, and then expect that God will give us what we need. But there's no real relationship with him at all. It's very interesting because when you get to Matthew, the end of chapter 5, and all through Matthew chapter 6, Jesus emphasizes God as Father. God as your Father. He doesn't just talk about his Father, but he talks about your father as well, our father as well. Jesus is emphasizing this wonderful truth. When we become Christians, God adopts us into his family. We become his children. He becomes our father. And yet so often we get that wrong. So often we can think of God as, 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 as a boss, as an employer. If we do the right things, we get our reward. We work for him and we do these good deeds. We think they're good deeds and then we will get rewarded for them. I heard a sermon once on the prodigal son. And uh, I think that sometimes we, even as Christians, can have that relationship with God as the older brother has with his father in the parable of the prodigal son. You remember that that parable. I'm sure you know that very well. But when the younger brother comes home, the older brother is very angry. When his father goes out to speak to him, he says, and he uses this language, all these years I have been slaving for you. That's the way he put it. I've been slaving for you and you, and I've never disobeyed you. And you never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. And when you look at that closely, you see there is anger there. This older brother is angry with his father. All these years he's been working and his father hasn't given him what he really wanted. And what did he want? Not his father. He wanted a goat so that he could have a good time with his friends, have a party with his friends. And he's angry. He sees God as, uh, he sees his father as a, as a boss, as an employee. He says, I've worked for you, and where's my reward now? I haven't got it. And you know, there are many, many people who relate to God in that way. Think that 
You know, if I, if I, if I do the right things, I go to church, I got baptized, I go twice on Sundays and the prayer meeting as well. And God, why don't you give me an easy life? Why? I've earned it. I deserve it. And you can get so angry with God because this relationship is, is completely different. You, you, you see it in a different way. And yet a true son, what does a true son desire? Being with his father, the love, the approval, the intimacy of having dad around him. He doesn't want just gifts. We talk about that all the time, don't we? We see, you know, fathers and they just buy off their children and, and give them gifts. And, and, and that's not what children want. They, they want to have time with their fathers, have a relationship with dad. But it's the same. What's our reward in heaven? It's God himself, our father. And, you know, I really think that if you're in full-time ministry, if you're a missionary, if you're a pastor, if you're, if you're, if you're working full time, it is so easy to slip into this relationship with God, to see God as your employer, as your boss, not as your father. And you can say very easily, you know, Lord, I, I've given up this and I've given up that and I've served you faithfully. And yet, Lord, you, my wife still is sick or my, my children don't know the Lord. Often it's even smaller things. And, and, and you still gave us rain. Because often it is the small things that really get, and there's a lot of self-pity and a lot of anger towards God. Because you feel like, I've served you and I deserve it. I've slaved for you all these years and you haven't even given me a goat. And I want to ask you, and this is hard, I know. We're doing heart surgery. That's, that's not easy to do. But how do you feel when you work in the church? Nobody gives you thanks. You get taken for granted. You're unappreciated. You go on and say, oh, I'm doing it for the Lord. And I don't care. Nobody notices. It's not important. Or do you think, well, that's the last time I'm doing that? How do we respond? It is very easy to slip into this kind of relationship with God, to see God as our employer, as our boss, and to lose that intimacy and joy and delight of a fatherly relationship with God, that he's our father and that we are his children. And we can still do all the right things, and we can still look good from the outside, but inside we're dead. We feel that God is distant, and we're on our own. And Jesus is saying here, you have a father. You're not on your own. You are not orphans, but it was never by your slaving away that brought you into this relationship with God. It is simply by grace. It is because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. It is his work and his work alone that brought you into this relationship. And God then, by grace, adopted you into his family. You became his children. And you know, when you see God as your father. When you know that that is true, that changes everything. We 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 spend a lot of time with orphans in in Latvia. There's still many orphanages, and it's so sad to see. And you notice that when you spend time with the children, that there are certain characteristics often. Children trying hard to earn your love. They can't ever understand that someone that could give love freely. It's like they have to work for it. Or even when they have been adopted, and we know orphans who have been adopted, they, they find it very hard to be there in the family. Um, 
to um they're still very self-sufficient they believe they're on their own and they have to look out for number one still it's very hard to change that mentality and the same can be true of us we often think that we're on our own we forget that we have a father who is in heaven one that we can speak with at any time and 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 jesus goes on there in that passage to talk a lot about prayer then and he even gives that that model prayer there the, um the lord's prayer as we call it and um and he says you know there are people who pray look at look at verses 7 and 8 he says when you pray do not keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words jesus is saying you know when you pray don't pray to impress other people and don't pray to get things from god necessarily of course if god is your father of course you're going to ask him for some things but your relationship is bigger than that it's not just about getting things from god but he says here there are some people who pray and they think by their many words they can well it's manipulate god manipulate god they can by their eloquence by the length of their prayers that god will hear them because of those things and and jesus said stop this it's not the case. God will hear you. Why? Because he's your father. Because you already have that relationship with him through the through Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, and your father knows what you need even before you ask. You see, there is the intimate care of a father. A father who knows his children better than the children know themselves. And he knows what they need not because of our many words or our eloquence that God answers it is because we have this relation because he's our father and he knows us and so Jesus said come come and speak with your father and it doesn't matter maybe our hearts are cold this morning and maybe our love is weak and maybe we feel our prayers are not very great but what matters is we're united to Christ and in him you are the cherished dearly beloved sons of god and your father delights to hear we don't have time to look at the lord's prayer in detail we go through that look at every single word almost draw out lots of truths there but let me just give you a quick run through this prayer in the light of what we said about god being our father firstly you notice in verses 9 and 10 this prayer begins with adoration it's about god it's about how great god is it's about He's, he's, he's infinite, he's everywhere, he's all-powerful, he reigns, he rules. And in any relationship, that's what, what you do. You, you talk to one another, not just about asking, but you praise one another. You talk about how, um, how much the other person means to you. We come to God and we praise him, we adore him because of who he is. And then it goes on to submission it says like um it says uh your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that's very hard to pray it's basically saying i'm giving up control of my life I'm turning from trusting in myself to trusting in you god as my heavenly father that's frightening it means there's all kinds of uncertainties that come in can come into your life god may ask you to wait god may surprise you with things that's frightening when you're no longer in control and yet where did we ever get the illusion that we are in control of our lives? I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? I remember when we first went out to Latvia and people asked us, um, what, what will you do if, if Jonathan gets sick? 
you know, they do have hospitals in Latvia. But I knew what they meant because when we were out there initially, everything you do, you, before you do anything, even get on the bus because you don't know how to buy the tickets and things, you're praying, God, help us get to the right place because you recognize you're not in control. I need God. And then, you know, after a few months or years, you, you, you kind of like, well, you're not conscious of that anymore. You still need him, just that we're not conscious of him. People will say, well, you know, and if Jonathan gets sick and it doesn't matter if you're in the jungle there, your lives are in God's hands. Whether you have the National Health Service, for good or bad, or if you're a jungle in Africa and don't have any medical help. It, the truth is, our life is in God's hands still. We just don't recognize us. But God is our Father and he knows best. And we've got to just say, I don't know. I asked Jonathan if I could share this. He said I could. When Jonathan was young, he had a sweet tooth, um, and uh, he's like his dad. And uh, we went into a sweet shop once, and uh, he wanted some sweets. And I said, no, you can't have any sweets. And I, know, I said, no, because I know that dinner was coming up soon. I know that he'd already had sweets, too many sweets. That's not good for you. And Jonathan didn't say, okay, Dad, you know best. <laughs> He cried, and he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> he, he, he told me to tell you that. Okay. But, you know, God knows best. Our Father in heaven knows best. And so often we say, Lord, I want this, I want this, I want this, and we don't get this, and we cry in an adult way. But he knows best. We give up control to him. He's good, you know. You can trust him. How do I know he's good? He spared not his only son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not with him also give us every good thing? Not my will be done, but yours be done. And then it goes on in the prayer to ask. And he talks about asking for daily bread. And you remember when the wilderness, God's people cried out to bread and, and they had the manna that came down and they had to collect just enough for today. Just enough for today. You couldn't store it. You think, well, why? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? We'd love God to give us a week's supply now. Then we know that we're okay for the week ahead. And we wouldn't have to depend on him every day. Then the confession at the end there, that admission of our sinfulness, our need uh, of God uh, to forgive us our sins. And it's interesting, it talks there about forgive us our debts. Sin there is is described as a debt, something that uh, we haven't paid. I remember um, an illustration that Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones gave, um, which is so powerful. He said, imagine if you went home and somebody was there and they said, while you were gone, um, somebody came with a bill and I paid it for you. And uh, how would you respond? You say, well, what bill was it? <laughs> was it for a few pence for overdue postage? then I just say thank you. But if it was my mortgage bill, you know, thousands of pounds and someone had paid that off, I'm going to be a lot more thankful. Our thankfulness depends on the size of the debt. Well, Jesus didn't just pay a few pence or a few thousand pounds, but he paid a debt that we could never pay if we worked hard. We could never pay it. It is by grace that we have been saved. By grace, he became sin and took God's anger and paid that price in full for us. And you know what? If we don't understand that, we're never going to be thankful people. If we understand that the, the size of the dead, we have fought our knees and praise God.
and then uh, asking for God's protection. Again, dependence upon him, that uh, he would give us spiritual victory, that he'd protect us from Satan's darts there. Look, in all of this, I close now, Jesus is saying, Christian, you're God's children. God is your father. You can depend. You can. You can depend on him. You can rest in him. He loves you. He accepts you. He cares for you. He provides for you. He protects you because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And I tell you, to the extent that you understand that and you take hold of that and you believe that and you live that out, that will totally transform your life. It'll stop you from being a complaining person if you know the care of your father. It'll stop you from grasping for recognition because you know that God, your father, smiles on you. It'll stop you wondering about what other people think of you, won't care, because what God thinks of you is more important. What my father thinks of me is more important. And so you're you're happy to get involved and not care what people think of you. Less afraid to try different things. Less anxious, as you know your father will provide. And the list goes on and on and on. God is your father. Remember that. Let's pray. Our father, such simple words to speak. And there is a depth that we haven't even begun to plumb, to understand your fatherly care and your love and your protection and that our lives are in your safe hands. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would this morning uh, come to us by your Spirit and open our eyes and and give us faith to believe these truths and, and to grow in our relationship with you, to spend time in prayer with you, not because we have to, not because it's the right thing to do, but simply because we we get to. We get that privilege because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Oh, Father, write these things upon our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.